I am super, super thrilled to uh, introduce uh, our next speaker. Um, I've been doing game audio for about 31 years, and I saw Paul enter the industry about 20 years ago, uh, whether it was through work at Expressions, through some work that we did um, trying to further the cause of game music and look at Grammys and things, and uh, he, he introduced me to Leslie Ann Jones at Skywalker, and just to see Paul's career advance uh, through there, through his work at Pyramind, uh, through his work as the, cent the head of central audio at Microsoft, overseeing, uh, the, you know, having the obligation of taking over the Halo franchise, as well as uh, uh, many others, to then moving on to Formosa as a uh, vice president, and most recently his promotion to senior vice president of Formosa. I've been, um, frankly, thrilled and honored to uh, have had some opportunity to work with him um, on the Game Audio Network Guild when he was president, uh, when he handed over the um, range of that to me a few years ago. Uh, he's just an awe-inspiring musician, scholar, uh, general person who really knows how to make the industry better. Um, and again, it's just been, been a pure joy to see him grow and evolve and lead this industry the way that he has. So with that, I would like to introduce our keynote speaker, who, aside from me, is the only other human being to have spoken at every single game sound con. Yet something else I'm massively thankful for him for. So I would like to introduce our keynote speaker, Senior Vice President of Formosa, Paul Lipson. Thank you, Brian, for that warm introduction. As Brian mentioned, this is the 10th anniversary of our conference. And I have been fortunate enough to speak at and participate in all 10. This also marks about 20 years for me in the industry. So when I was thinking about what I would speak to you about tonight and some of the ideas, I thought, I need to go back and reflect and look at all of these conferences and all of these experiences and ponder what's really going on. So beyond all of our tools and our tech and our games and our projects, I need to focus on us. Because what's emerging is something much deeper. I noticed that through all my interactions with you over the years, whether you were a seasoned veteran or someone brand new to this industry, there were some common themes and common ideas that kept emerging year over year over year. Questions like, how do I do this? I'm not sure I should be doing this. I feel like I'm an imposter and I'm not good enough to be doing this. That guy's doing that, do I need to go over here and do this? I've been doing this and now I need to pivot over to that. Every year I heard a lot of those questions and it produced a sort of commonality. So with that in mind, I've crafted a story tonight 
in five chapters. I want to thank all of you for being here, and I'd like to welcome you now to A Hand in the Sun. Connection is why we're here. We are hardwired to connect with others. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. And without it, there is suffering. Chapter one, a hand in the water. So I need to start the story tonight with some context. And then I need to set this up in the right way. And I realize the best way to do that is to go back in time and talk about the seed that is actually at the heart of this entire talk tonight. So gather around, huddle in, and have a listen to this. Once upon a time, 23 years ago, I was a professional guitar player. I was a lot younger, I had a lot of energy, and I got to play in a whole bunch of fantastic bands and ensembles. I played with some excellent players, and I had the opportunity to travel around the world and play music. I just finished my degrees and I was just out there trying to make it work. I found some of these old photos that I scanned into this presentation because there was no internet and I didn't have anything digital back then. But these are some of the shots of me back in the day. One particular long stretch of performing lasted almost six months. I spent most of my time in Singapore and China, but the last two months of that was in Recife, Brazil. My bass player was from there, and he thought it would be an awesome idea to go to Recife and perform master classes and do concerts and kind of go up and down the coast. Recife is a, an amazing city in the northern part of Brazil. It's actually the closest point to Africa in the Western Hemisphere. So there were some deep rhythms and incredible food, awesome people, amazing culture. This is a shot of my trio sound checking at the Conservatory of Pernambuco. And we had that almost telepathic connection. We had been playing six nights a week for months, and we had so much repertoire at the end of our hands, and we had so much music to play. And we, we almost had this like telepathic communication between us. And those of you that play music out in the audience, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you play gigs all the time, you get so tight. And this was one of the best trios I've ever played, played with. So here I was, young, energetic, and driven. And I think my playing might have been at its height in my, in my life. But this is really where the story starts. Because in a very vulnerable way, a lot of things were way out of whack. My physical health 
started to really freak me out because I was playing so much that for the first time in my career, I was experiencing that like sort of repetitive stress, you know, that you get too much mousing around, maybe for some of you too much playing, but I had this sort of deep repetitive stress symptoms and tingling and that scared me. And when you're like in your early 20s in Brazil playing a bunch of gigs and your hands start to hurt, and it's taking you longer to warm up, you are gonna be melodramatic. And I was freaking out. I was also very emotionally drained and very lonely. I was very disconnected. Everyone spoke Portuguese except for me, which is very isolating actually. And I was far away from family and friends and I'd been on the road a really long time. Now back then, calling home was like four bucks a minute. There was no iPhone, there was no internet. I mean, maybe I could fax somebody, but it, it was a very isolating kind of feeling back then. And mentally, I was pretty drained. So in contrast to this gorgeous city, and I literally stayed at a condo steps from Boa Viaging Beach, I was feeling kind of wasted and kind of tired. And I was asking myself questions like, how am I gonna keep doing this? And what if I never get to play again? But also, should I be doing this? How do I do this? I feel like I'm some imposter and I shouldn't be doing this. Amazingly, the same questions that I'm hearing years and years and years later from our interactions together here at this conference. That's sad, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally a candid shot of me in a hotel room, warming up for a gig. And those of you that work for me, you might have been on the receiving end of that look. <laughs> every once in a while, but I found this old photo and I just was like, oh man, I gotta put this in the presentation because it captures exactly what was going on with me. I was not functioning the right way. So one day I hit a wall. I just felt, oh my God, this is it. And I just had a full blown sort of anxiety, you know that anxiety that's like bubbles up in all of us sometimes and you kind of get that that crazy sort of, oh my God, it's all coming to an end sort of feeling. Well, I was like level 10. And uh, I woke up and I realized I need help. I, I need to figure this out. So I got this idea in my head that I needed the power of Mother Earth to heal my body. Now, I'm not a particularly religious person. I am very spiritual. I am a deeply spiritual person and I just thought, I need to become one with nature. I need the power of Mother Earth to heal my body and heal my mind. So I got up and I walked down to the beach. Now, they used to call me the ghost of Boa Viaging because I was so white. <laughs> and then they called me lobster knees because I was so red. I, I eventually got really tan, so crisis averted, it was fine. But I walked down to the water and it was warm and beautiful outside. That The water was crystal clear, the sky was blue, the sand felt soft under my feet. And I said, I, I, need to, I need to ask Mother Earth for help. And I waded into this water, and you could, you know that rhythm in the, in the ocean, you feel it moving around you? It was like a bath. And I plunged my hands into the water, and I very just open and vulnerable way, I said, Mother Earth, heal my body, heal my mind, help me see what I can't see, 
Help me understand what I don't understand. Give me guidance. Now this was a very powerful experience, almost metaphysical, because in that moment I was able to silence myself and feel all these elements around me and I was just focusing on blending in with my surroundings. And in that silence and in that stillness, you're not gonna believe what happened, but I got an answer. A mother is always the beginning. She is how things begin. Ain't shady, baby, I'm hot like the prodigal son. Pick up a tiny, mini, money, more and flower. You're the chosen one. Chapter two, a hand in the sun. So there I was in the water, feeling everything and feeling at peace. And I pulled my hand up out of the water and I held it up to the sun that was shining down. It looked a lot like this picture. That's not my hand, that's from the internet. <laughs> but it looked a lot like this. And the sun was shining down through my hand and it suddenly hit me that in my hand lay the answer. My hands have always been my physical expression of my creativity. For many of you, it's the same. And I realized that in every single finger of my hand was a piece to the answer that I needed. Let's call this the primary hand. And this is the primary hand framework. The thumb. The thumb represents health. Our industry and our craft produces the worst physical habits I can possibly think of. <laughs> there are probably a lot more dangerous occupations out there, but I mean, we are sitting in dark rooms, hunched over, audio blasting in our face, not eating, not sleeping, probably not talking to anyone, and generally freaking out most of the time. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So physical health, and again, back all the way, 23 years ago when I was in Brazil, my body was hurting me and freaking out. And I realized when you're young and you're kind of full of beans, as my grandmother would say, uh, you just take it for granted. But we can't, we can't take our physical health for granted. And your mental health, and your emotional health are tied to this as well. Now it is way beyond the scope of tonight for me to get into that, and I am not a doctor. You'll hear me say that a few times tonight. But the thumb is there to remind us to focus on our health, our physical health, our emotional health, and our mental health. The index finger here are two of the most famous index fingers in the Western world, in the Sistine Chapel. Divinity bestowing life to humanity. The index finger 
is there to remind us of faith. Now, faith can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. For some of you, it might be organized religion. It might be spirituality. Like I said, I'm kind of more of a spiritual person, and I'm not so much into organized religion. But it's actually three things, I think, three big things. Faith is trust. Trust in yourself, trust in others, trust in the world around us. It is that unwavering commitment to our own ability to function, to our own unique self in the world. And it is trust that the outside world is also unique in the same way. It is also loyalty, faith, faithfulness, loyalty, commitment. We all have faith to our craft, faith to people that we care about, faith to ourselves. And if we are out of whack with our faith, if we diminish our faith in any way, this is going to cause huge problems as we try to be our best. And finally, I think faith is that sense of something much bigger than ourselves. That day at the beach when I was offering up to myself to Mother Earth to heal, and I felt healed, actually, I had faith. I had faith that I am small and the world out there is big. And when you remember that, there's humility, there's openness, and there's a whole bunch of just awesome things that happen. So the index finger is there to remind us to nourish and focus on faith in all of its different facets. I have always wanted to have a slide like this in a presentation. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the middle finger represents work. Now, of course, that's kind of a joke. But it's actually really serious. Because work, for us, perhaps, represents the biggest expenditure of time and energy in our lives, often to the expense of everything else. There's a reason why the middle finger is your longest finger on your hand, and that is work. Now, a few thoughts about work. We are very fortunate to do what we do because our work and our job are often the same. For many people in the world, work and job are completely different. That's the joke, I guess, the middle finger. We love our work. It fuels everything that we do. It drives our passion. It's tied to our faith. It's tied to our health. It's tied to everything. So I think that is, is probably the most important thing to understand, is that work is also your, it's your creative output, but it's also how we sustain in the physical world. So the middle finger is there to remind us to focus on our work and not let it get too far out of whack. And when I was in Brazil and I was concentrating so hard on music and playing, I definitely was out of balance. The ring finger. The ring finger represents relationships. Now that image might not be appropriate for everybody, but it could be all kinds of relationships. Relationships with a partner, relationships with a spouse, relationships with a loved one, with your children, with your family, with your colleagues, your friends, with your community. You have your inner circle, and it goes wider. 
The ring finger is there to remind us to focus on relationships because rela relationships are at the heart of everything that we do in our lives. If we do not focus on all the relationships and give it time and energy, we will suffer. Brene Brown was very eloquent in her quote from her book, Daring Greatly, about connectedness. Relationships are key to that. We will feel isolated. We will lose our sense of belonging. And we will be diminished if we don't work on our relationships. So the ring finger is there to remind us to focus on our relationships and build them in all the different types of relationships that we have. I love this picture. <laughs> This is the pinky finger. The little finger is play. And let me tell you, I struggle with this all the time. And as audio people, we are so self-serious. We make video games and we can't enjoy anything that we do. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous thing in the world. I mean, should I do the audio person voice? Maybe I will, let's play right now. I mean, how many people have heard like, oh my god, that mix is terrible. It's awful, the mix is just awful. You hear those weapons? It's like pew, 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 pew. Ugh, so bad. <laughs> or one of my favorite ones is, um, you want me to make a AAA game and you're giving me $10? Like, how do you expect me to do that? <laughs> wow, I did that, okay. Um, play. Play means letting go. Play means finding things apart from your work, apart from other aspects of your life that you truly love and giving that energy and time because it will amplify and enlighten everything else that you do. It is something that I have absolutely struggled with. I need to remember to let go, to play, to breathe. It's so hard in the world that we live in right now to remember to play. It's hard to remember to play right now. But we need to play, it's essential. And the pinky finger is there to remind us to play. That's the primary hand framework. Health, faith, work, relationships, and play. And there isn't a day that goes by, especially 23 years ago till now, that when I'm hurting and I feel bad, I look down at my hand and I say, where does it hurt? And what area of my life needs attention? Now, there's some amazing coincidences here. Let's play a little bit. How many surfers out there? You can see this, hang loose. Hang loose, man. Well, what is hanging loose? It's your health and your sense of play just wagging in the wind. Coincidence? I don't know. How about this one? Devil horns. How many of you have been at some show and you just whip one of these out? Okay, I, uh, I haven't been to a show lately, but when I'm driving over the hill to Hollywood and I got my rage cranking, I, am, I got this out the window sometimes. Well, that's your faith and your sense of play in full effect. Coincidence? Mm, I don't know. Oh, I love this one. How many of you send this emoji all the time? Right? I mean, this is your index finger, this is your faith, and your health coming together to make all the other elements of your life stand taller. I'm okay. I'm good. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. How about this old classic? Peace out. Peace. What is peace? Well, according to this, maybe it's your health and your relationships and your sense of play 
bringing power and balance to your faith and your work. Is peace balance between faith and work? Maybe. Maybe it is. Here's one of my favorite photos of all time. This is Miles Davis's hand. Miles Davis, one of the greatest trumpet players and composers of all time. And I love what he is saying here. He's saying, your health, your faith, your relationships, and your play far outweigh any work or job. That is the polar opposite of that. I love what Miles is saying there. That was my hand in the sun that day. And that is the primary hand framework. La, 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 la. opens and closes, opens and closes. If it were always a fist or always stretched open, you would be paralyzed. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. The two is beautifully balanced and coordinated as birds' wings. Chapter three, a hand in motion. So that day in Brazil, the primary hand kind of stuck out at me. But I did have two hands in the water that day. And as I kind of moved forward, I realized that it is both our hands together that allows us to really be self-actualized and move in the world. That is what motion is, two hands. And that other hand was a powerful symbol. And as I moved forward, I thought, wow, this is an amazing synergy now. And the representation of our two hands and how we move in the world was really starting to emerge. Let's call this the secondary hand. And I'm going to call this the secondary hand of essential action. I love this image. I'm a father. It's a powerful image for me. And that represents love. Love is an essential action. Love for a spouse, a partner. Love for your children. Love for your family. Love for your friends. Love for things out in the world. Love is the fuel that will bind all of us together. And it will fuel, fuel your faith, fuel your relationships. Love and sense of play are hand in hand. So love in the traditional sense, yes. But a couple points about love. Love is where empathy lives. And we can't be connected and understand each other if we don't foster and grow a sense of empathy. It's where compassion lives. And love starts with yourself, and then it radiates outward. If you do not love yourself or have compassion and empathy for yourself, you cannot have relationships with other people. You will be disconnected to the outside world. So the first essential action in our lives, and the one to ponder, because it's a big one, is love and all of its meanings. This is a very powerful image that represents defend. Now, this is kind of interesting for some people. But think about it. Right now, today, where we are living, 
defend couldn't be more important and is an essential action. Defending is protecting your own boundaries, protecting the things that you care about, and having the courage to stand up and say, no. We are sometimes bred to be pleasers. We need acceptance, and we will sometimes betray ourselves to get that. But we have to defend ourselves. We need to defend our own sensibilities, and we need to defend our industry and our community and everyone here in this room. Defend is an essential action. And uh, you know, one point about defend, I'll say most of us live in about a 90-10 ratio. I mean, maybe that goes up and down like the stock market, but like 90% of the time, I think we're cool with people, we're cool with some things out there. 10% of the time, someone doesn't like you. They don't like the look of you, they don't like what you're wearing, they don't like what you're doing, they have a problem. Their hand is totally out of whack, their primary hand is out to lunch, and they are up in your grill. You have to defend yourself from toxicity. People, clients, situations. Sometimes you have to defend yourself from yourself. <laughs> so defend, it's an essential action. I found this beautiful image. It's actually very moving. Every time I look at it, I see something different. Those two hands together. This represents learn. Learning is how we grow. Learning, for many of us, is why we are at the conference tonight. Learning is how we don't stagnate. We don't sit still. We keep moving. Learning is an essential action because we all know as creatives that we are on a continuum. There is no end. For a lot of people, there is an end. They're like, oh yeah, I'm good. As soon as I get that degree, I'm like done. As soon as I get that certificate, I'm finished. As soon as I finish that gig, I'm like all good. True creatives know that you're never done. And the moment that you say, I don't know, is the exact moment that you can know. So living in a constant state of wonderment and humility, like we talked about faith, learning is an essential action. If we are going to advance as a community here, we need to continue to treat this as a sacred, sacred activity. Leap. In her keynote last year, Becky Allen did an amazing job talking about leaping and taking chances. And it is so true. Having the courage to leap and lean in and do things that are terrifying to us is an essential action. I have done a lot of leaping in my day, and I continue to, and not once have I ever regretted it. When you leap, you have faith, and you have strength, and you have courage. It doesn't matter if you don't make it, or you think you're gonna fail, or you think you're gonna fall apart. When you leap, you are embodying strength and courage. If we are going to do what we do, we have to take chances. We have to leap. We have to be fearless. And courage is at the heart of leaping. Leaping is an essential action. Perhaps my favorite image in this entire story tonight. This is a very evocative picture. This is Build. 
we need to apply ourselves out in the world and build. Because when you build, there was nothing, and then there is something. This is how you build your creative work. This is how you have your deepest fulfillment. This is how you can build things connectively with others and for yourself. And if you never build anything, if you diminish what you do so much that you don't even take that step to build, you will not be a fulfilled person. You will not be living up to your own true potential. Building is the ultimate act of courage. It is an essential action. Our health, our faith, our work, our relationships and play, combining with love and defend and learning and leaping and building, that is mastery. That combination is mastery. Let's talk about mastery for a little, little bit, because I've heard that brought up a lot at GameSoundCon and other conferences. What is mastery, other than what I just said it was? <laughs> mastery is a powerful, powerful notion, and I'd like to share with you five masters that have inspired me, and maybe from that we can glean what it is. This is Keith Jarrett. Many of you who know me know that if I was on a desert island and I had no other music in the world ever to listen to forever, it would be this man. Keith Jarrett is an absolute master. And I love this image of him because it is him embodying both of his hands, symbolically, yes, but also literally, to produce some of the most glorious music that I've ever heard. He transcends the rest of us. He's a true master, and he's a master that inspires me. Serena Williams. I'm in awe of Serena, who has won more titles and Grand Slams than anyone, I think, in her entire sport. I can't even comprehend what she has had to overcome in her lifetime to get to the level of skill and mastery that she is achieving and continues to achieve. But her hands in motion, like this, are an inspiration. She is a master, and she is definitely an inspiration to me. Bruce Lee. I grew up idolizing Bruce Lee, and I love it, because look at it with his framework. He's like, yeah, man, my health and my faith and my play totally is outweighing my relationships and my job right now. <laughs> and he's, that's why he's so happy, <laughs> right? Bruce Lee is a, an absolute master. What he does physically is mind-blowing, but what he thought about philosophically and what he tried to do is absolutely inspiring to me. Bruce Lee is a master, and he's someone who continues to inspire me. This is Esperanza Spaulding. She's a new master in my life. And when I met her, it was like getting struck by lightning. Maybe once every 100 years, you will find a talent like her. And if you are not familiar with her work and her music, check it out. Wow. She's an absolute master. And I love this image of her because she's at peace. She's calm. She's using her hands, especially in a way that I can relate to. Esperanza Spaulding is a master of her craft, and she inspires me. Finally, Michael Jordan. I was fortunate enough to see Michael play when I was in college, and I've always admired him, and I've always wanted to be like Mike, like millions and millions of other people in the world. But this image of Michael Jordan focused, his hands in motion. Michael Jordan's a master. I can't watch the NBA anymore because he's not playing. It stops and starts with, with, with Michael for me. I'm going to leave you with this image now in this chapter 
of the master's hands, calmly together, the primary hand and the secondary hand, folded, wise, at peace. Who are some of the masters that inspire you? And how can you emulate this in your own life and your own work? Like a person whose hands were kept numb, without sensation from the first moment of awareness, until one day the ability to feel is forced into them and I say, look, I have hands. But the people all around me say, what are hands? Chapter four, a hand in danger. This is where we're gonna get real. We're gonna talk about what blocks us, what prevents us, what's gonna stop our hands from, from moving, what'll freeze our primary hand and our secondary hand, what will prevent us from becoming who we can be and throw us off that path to mastery or that path of connectedness or the sense of belonging that all of us need. I'm gonna call this the subjugated hand. And these are five dangers that affect everyone in this room and links all of us together. This first danger is probably the worst of them all. And if I just stopped right here on this one danger, I could just say we're good. <laughs> this, this is the most insidious, damaging, destructive danger that I can think of in our lives, and it's something that all of us struggle with day in and day out, and it's shame. Now, like I said, I'm no doctor, but Brene Brown has done some of the best work and research into shame over the past 10 years. I strongly suggest all of you read her book, Daring Greatly. But shame is the killer. Shame is that voice that says, I am unworthy. It is that voice that says I'm an imposter. It's that voice that says I can't. It'll affect your health. It'll diminish your faith. It'll stop all of your work. It'll ruin relationships time and time and time again, and there is no play with shame. So what is shame? Well, it's different than guilt. Guilt is when you do something to someone and you feel bad about it. There's empathy you know that there's something bad, and it's for everyone to see, and you feel bad about it, and you feel guilty. Shame is silent damnation. No one can see shame. You carry it with you. And we pick up shame. It's burned into our minds, sometimes from a very young age, sometimes as early as yesterday. Shame is that silent killer that all of us have. And as soon as we recognize that all of us carry around this shame, we can explain so much of our dysfunction. So the first danger is shame. No, this isn't an early Halloween decoration. This is transference. Transference is when you have an old pain, an old ghost in your closet, an old defense mechanism that you learned long, long, long ago, 
and you transfer it in to the present. You will not see what's going on in front of you because you are in a state of transference. Have you ever been in that conversation with someone and suddenly your blood pressure is going up and you're like, why am I getting so upset? Is it because that person sounds like your mom? I, I don't know. I have struggled with this my whole life. We all do. We react to things that aren't there. We jump at ghosts. It destroys relationships. It destroys work opportunities. We think we see what's in front of us, but we're just reacting to things from our past. Transference is a danger. We have to be self-aware. We have to make peace with ourselves and understand the things that cause us pain and make sure that they don't creep in because it'll color all these amazing opportunities we have in front of us. It'll prevent us from having those new relationships or those opportunities. It'll prevent us from leaping. It'll prevent us from doing any kind of meaningful work. So transference, it's a danger. This danger is judgment. We all do it. Snap judgments. We think we know about everyone in this room. We know nothing about people in this room. And we judge people all the time. We have unconscious bias, sometimes overt bias. And we see something, and we just make a judgment about it. And it is a danger, because we don't know what pain people are going through. We don't know what's behind what they're doing. And we need to stop, and we need to reflect because when you judge, there is no empathy and there is no compassion. You're diminishing yourself and you're diminishing the person that's being judged. And the worst judgment of all is the judgment of yourself. We judge ourselves so harshly. We are so cruel and diminishing. Maybe this is a symptom of shame, but we're always judging our own work and diminishing it. Judgment is a danger. This is a great picture. I don't care. Apathy. In this massively connected social media morass of inundation of information, it is so easy to just become apathetic. We get so overwhelmed and so emotionally drained and so out of whack that we just stop caring. When apathy takes hold, you no longer have passion for your work. You no longer really care. You don't go for things or leap or learn. You don't build because who cares? Why? Why do it? We can't afford to be apathetic. Not today, not now, not in our industry, not in the world we're living in right now. And I, I think that with as connected as we are, we're most disconnected we've ever been and it's producing a massive amount of apathy in not only this community and the broader community, but the world. So apathy is a danger. And finally, denial. It's all good. Everything's fine. It's OK. That's not so bad. She wasn't that upset about that. <laughs> denial is a massive danger. And if we deny the things in ourselves that are causing us pain, we're denying the things that we have to fix and we have to work on. We cannot be our best selves if we're living in a state of denial. And if we can't face the dangers and have the courage in the outside world, we'll just live in magical thinking. Everything's going to be fine. 
It's all good. We can't live in a state of denial. We have to have the strength to face the most difficult things that we are facing. And we have to think about that every single day. Because we will not be our best selves. We will not be self-actualized if we're in the grips of denial. That's the subjugated hand. Shame, transference, judgment, apathy, and denial. It'll cause suffering. It'll diminish our lives, sometimes in a small way, sometimes in a big way. We need to ponder these, and we need to build up some strength so we can overcome them. Shame is the lie someone told you about yourself. Chapter five, our hands together. This is where I'm gonna bring it back to us. We've talked about a lot of things. This has been a long story. But bringing it back to us is our final chapter and the final thing that I think we need to do. How can we make our hands secure? The opposite of our hands in danger. What can we do together as an industry, as a community, to fight shame, to not be so judgmental, to think about transference as a group and individually, to not be apathetic, and to not deny what's going on. If you're in leadership, this is your call. Lead and help people feel more secure, more welcome, more safe, Help people overcome these dangers. This is the call for us to make our hands more secure. Our hands in motion. This is the call for us to embody those essential actions as a group, to ponder what it means to love, to ponder as a group to what it means to defend. We need to move together in a better way. And our hands need to be in motion in ways that we've never even considered. And right now, we're at a turning point. This is an opportunity to move differently, to glide together and change the choreography for how things have always been done. This is the call to have our hands in motion our hands in the water. All of us need to have that moment of total vulnerability. We need to face what's bothering us, and we, we need to have that moment where we stop, and we breathe, and we plunge our hands into the water, and we say, I need help. Maybe this conference is that opportunity to have our hands in the water. Together, 
If we are vulnerable and open, we will be able to see the things that we could not see. And finally, our hands in the sun. I've talked to you about my primary hand framework and what came to me, but the call is to find your own. Find your own framework. Find your own system. Find your own path that brings meaning and fulfillment. Because if all of us together have our hands in the sun, we will be better and we'll be stronger for each other and for our industry. I felt sad. I felt cold. I felt hurt. I felt forsaken and lonely. I felt doubtful and hesitant. I felt scared and deeply worried. I felt different, unknown and unwelcome. I felt empty and woefully neglected. I felt weak and intimidated. I felt withdrawn and shy. I felt utterly hopeless. Then you held my hand, and I felt better. Thank you, Alt J, for that awesome music. Thank you, Judy, for that awesome voice. Thank you, the internet, for all those pictures. Thank you, Brian Schmidt. Thank you, the Game Audio Network Guild. And thank you to my family at Formosa Group. Thanks for listening.